0: and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Euclid of Speed Test Intelligence Data Fixed Median Download Speeds USQ3 2023.
1: Hey, Mr. Mayor, how are you? Merry Christmas, Happy New Year.
2: Yes, same to you. Hope you're you. planning yeah. a lot of fun.
1: Yes, and I have been. So it's been okay. <laughs> it's been a very um merry uh holiday so far. And thank Brilliant. you. Thank you for joining us. And I'm sorry I can't see you on this Zoom, which is kind of weird, you know, but and you can't <laughs> see me. But next time we'll do this we'll do this in person, but, um, good. Thank you. Um, so listen, no, I was monitoring the uh, off topic today. Okay. And, uh, I know there was a lot of discussion about this, um, uh, level one, um, law that the council is, is, uh, looking at and discussing and probably coming to a vote tomorrow, but, um, public advocate Jemani Williams, he just had a zoom conference news conference about, uh, 20 minutes ago, half hour ago. And he says the level one stops do not include tourists asking for directions, a search for a missing cat, some of the references that you and Lisa made in, in the off topic. So um, he says you're giving out misguided and misinformation and misrepresenting something. So what do you say to that and how are you interpreting level one stops?
2: Level one stops are determined by law, and it is any interaction where you are carrying out a service to the public. And so I'm not sure if he's clear on the law. This is a law from a court ruling. And so that is what our fear is. Our fear is that many people who are about to vote on this law, as well as the public advocate, is not clear that level one stops are not only for those that are criminally connected. And that is the problem.
1: Do you think at some point this goes to court and somebody has to make a distinction about what a level one stop is? Is it just about asking for directions? Is it just about you know a missing cat or a rescue of uh you know uh, some some animal caught in the drain or is it about let's say a proactive activity by an officer uh approaching somebody
2: Well I made sure that I spoke with my legal counsel when I first heard opposition to this new uh, proposed law she spelled out as she did at the at the um, off-topic conference today. She read exactly what the law states, and what's a definition of a level one stop. And I'm not, I'm not clear if the advisors of the council and the public advocate, if they are correctly giving them the definition of a level one stop. So if they are saying that we don't want everyday interactions like giving directions etc then they need to carve that out of the bill and states in the bill that level 1 stops except for a b c and d and then that would be a bill that we can stand and and stand with in support of
1: oh okay so uh, is there a, who's negotiating with them you said uh, in, in the off topic that there have been some discussions going on is that what you're looking at specifically And is that you personally doing that or somebody in in the administration?
2: I I spoke directly with the uh, speaker who shared with me what her vision of what this bill should do. And it is in opposite to what the bill is actually calling for. She wanted when people are conducting any form of criminal investigation, for the most part, that it is documented. She did not want anytime an officer speaks with a civilian that we need to carry out a documentation that that just flies in the face of using our police officers resources properly
1: okay okay so that's something that's going to have to get straightened out or yes if this comes to a vote tomorrow uh maybe there's a challenge somewhere no yes
2: okay. yes and we we're, we're going to continue to use the next few hours trying to encourage the council to be clear on the goal that they're trying to reach. If they're stating they are not trying to reach a goal of every time a police officer speaks to a civilian that they should have to document it, then they need to be clear that the bill is not stating that. And right now it is not correct.
1: Okay, there we go. We just got to the crux of the matter here. (laughs) Okay, good luck with that. Um, I also wanted to ask you, because this came up as well, and this was a question I'd been thinking about. You know, Governor Abbott in Texas uh, is calling for the arrest of immigrants who aren't arriving at the borders with legal authorization. Now, he says he's doing this because the Biden administration isn't doing enough to help, and they're not really doing much. As And you have stated that you're not getting that help. so. What further strategies do you have for migrant care or to get settled or to move them, you know, further on or limit their arrival? And why don't you think the Biden administration is doing more?
2: Well, as you you know, I traveled to Washington 10 times to uh, talk about giving us the support we need, a decompression strategy, as well as the financial assistance and most importantly, allowing the migrants and asylum seekers to work. Uh the mere fact that people come to the country and seek asylum, we cannot arrest them for coming and seeking asylum. So I don't know quite what policy uh Governor Abbott is going to institute. I know that he has created a major problem here in our city. He has targeted the city as well as Chicago and other uh, large uh, cities. It is important now that we continue to have all of our congressionals and Senator leaders to collaborate on making sure that we come up with not only long-term true immigration reform, but really take this burden off of our local cities. This is a national problem and local cities should not have to bear the weight of a national crisis.
1: So- when you have had these 10 meetings, and I know they've been with Perez and other, you know, White House officials and et cetera, do you ask them, why aren't you doing more? What What do they tell you?
2: We do. We do all the time. I think that there's a real disconnect on the crisis that's playing out in some of these major cities. Uh, we can't treat this as a policy. We have to treat it as a as a crisis and the level of urgency must reach that expectation because it is really harming of these cities. We're seeing what's playing out in Chicago. People are sleeping in precincts and in and, and Massachusetts. People are sleeping in hospitals. Uh, we have been successful in not having any child or family sleep on the streets. Uh, but we are clearly across the tipping point. And I'm not sure if the national leaders understand the urgency that's playing out on the ground.
1: Have you ever like invited President Biden here to say, "Come walk with me," or come over to the Roosevelt Hotel, or come to uh, Floyd Bennett Field and see what see what's going on here?
2: Uh, no, we have. I have never given him a formal invitation. But many of his representatives have come mm-hmm. here and looked at what we have done here. Many people commend us for being able to handle 100, over one hundred and fifty thousand migrant asylum seekers. But the fact is. Uh, more people should come on the ground and see what it is, is doing to the city and the impact that it is having on our economy.
1: Do you think he would come if you personally invited him and said, come with me and like I will walk you through what is, what is happening here? Do you think he would come?
2: Uh, I, I'm not sure if he would or not, but I think that there are enough of his officials that have been here Enough of the congressional leadership that have been here uh, that they understand uh, how substantial this crisis is.
1: Okay. Um, I you know, I wanted to move to congestion pricing. I know that is not something you have overt control over, but you do have influence, obviously as the mayor and this is your city. And I was wondering, you've been asking about or suggesting that there should be more carve-outs and more exemptions. How about the New York City residents who live in the zone? You know, when they come home, I I hear this from people, they come home and they're going to have to pay to come home to get back in the zone. How is that fair?
2: Well, first, first we should look at the zone we're talking about. Uh, there's clearly a trade-off in living in the congestion zone. It has the best transportation system in our city. Crosstown transportation, north and south transportation, that's the trade-off. There is really uh, no mandatory reason for people to need to drive a vehicle in a area where the transportation is the best that the city has to offer taxpayers built out of the infrastructure in that zone and people should be utilizing public transportation and so it's challenging to say okay what about those who live in the zone that taxpayers built out the best transportation system uh i believe in the country my personal opinion
1: yeah but what people who like work outside they do a reverse commute say and they mm-hmm. have to use a vehicle to get to some place on Long Island or somewhere in Jersey. And then they come back. And now they got to pay $15 to get home. <laughs> like, how is that okay?
2: The the uh, What we do know, and particularly those people who live in the zone, the toxic fumes from auto, automobiles, those fumes are taking years off our lives. Uh, we have a real congestion problem we have to address it. And this is one of the mechanisms that we're using. We should do it in a manner that won't displace toxic fumes to outer boroughs, that is not overburdensome of those who live in and out of the zone, and those who are in need of of using a vehicle to go into Manhattan. And that's the balance that we must look at. And no matter what we do, no one is gonna walk away with saying, that they 100% agree. No one wants to pay $15. No one wants to pay additional costs on anything, but we do have a real problem with congestion. Not only is it hurting our environment, but it is also impacting the economics of doing business in our city because the problem of congestion.
1: All right. Okay, now you just mentioned balance and I wanted to ask you about balance when it comes to your budget. Now, last night in Queens, you and and I know you've mentioned this before in some of your briefings. You know when I know I've asked you, are you going to have to raise taxes? Are you going to have to look at layoffs? And you say you got to find the sweet spot. What what for you is that sweet spot?
2: The the, the, the delivery of services and finding inf- efficiency, innovation, and creativity on how do we continue to deliver the services that is needed to not have this city slip backwards. January 2022, I inherited a city that was moving in the wrong direction around crime, around economy, and around other areas. We don't want to go backwards. And so that looks like uh, if we have to do a some form of hold off on doing a police class, like we did, how do we make up grounds by deploying our police and mobilizing them um, better? So each one of these areas, we can't take away uh, getting the quality of life that we want, but we do know we have to find efficiencies any and every way we can to deal with this unsustainable crisis that has that has been dropped in our lot la- on our laps.
1: Do you have, let's say, a criteria or a, a cap? Uh, you know, five percent budget cut, another you know, couple of percent. Where you get to 10%, you go, that's it, we can't do anymore? Have you imagined that? Or Jacques Gijan imagining some sort of cap on that?
2: And That's a great question because this problem is such a moving problem that it's not as though we're saying, okay, we have 150,000. And so uh, now we just have to price out what it's going to take to cycle people out of the system. We, we moved and stabilized over 50% of the people who came through our system.
1: 57.
2: But the, exactly. That's <laughs> Fabian said, 57. <laughs> Go
1: ahead. I'm sorry. But,
2: uh, that's okay. But the problem is they keep coming in. We had 3,900 mm-hmm. last week. Wow. You know, wow. when you start getting four thousand, close to 4,000 a week, 8,000 every two weeks, 16,000 a month, That is just unmanageable. And so it's difficult to say what's not on the table when there's no end in sight. No end in sight is coming from the border and no end in sight is coming from the governor. A friend of mine was on a plane a few days ago uh, coming from uh, a different state and they said almost 70% of the people on the plane were migrants and asylum seekers. That's not sustainable and the flow is difficult to state in a very predictable manner what the right budget is as long as this continues to happen.
1: All right, so this is a work in progress. Yes. (laughs) Okay, let me ask you this, Uh, talk about quality of life. I was wondering if you had a chance to walk along 6th Avenue recently. This is from about 45th Street to 51st Street. I was there the other night and I saw vendors, literally blanket to blanket, cart to cart on the on the west side of the street the sidewalk right and it's on both sides of the sidewalk and so there's very little space for anybody to really walk down that block Uh, there was a disabled woman in front of me with her scooter she really couldn't get through Uh, you know there's a lot of tourists here in the area right now and you know these vendors are selling knockoff handbags the knit caps and the scarves it's the same stuff over and over. And I can't imagine they have licenses, and I can't imagine that the stuff is legit. So it, are you concerned about the optics of that or if it's a safety issue? And why is this allowed to be this way?
2: And, and, and you agree. I agree with you. And we've done several initiatives on Coney Island. I'm sorry, on Canal Street in Manhattan. We we were seeing similar problems uh, in Manhattan. Uh, In Queens, uh, we have been zeroing in on some of these illegal vending. Uh, But what I like to say to New Yorkers over and over again is that I need to constantly point out the byproducts of the migrants and asylum seekers problem. When you don't allow people to work, they go into the black market and they start doing things that impact our quality of life. And illegal vending is one of them. Uh, many of the migrants and asylum seekers have started to do illegal vending, everything from selling food to clothing and other items. That is; These are the uh, various byproducts to the migrant and asylum seeker crises that we are facing. And when I talk about it is harming our cities, this is what I'm talking about. It's not only the shelters. It's not only the cost. It is also the quality of life issue that we're starting to see
1: so can something be done about that scene there and uh, just you know either clearing something or making it a better passageway for you know people to walk what what can be done there
2: yes and we're going to do just that uh, i'm going to speak with uh, the commissioner have his team go over there we have a team of vendor enforcement. We also have DCWP, uh, the Deputy Commissioner of Workers Protection, and go and engage with the people that are there. But what has often happened, individuals will pack up and move to another location. Mm-hmm. Uh, des- it, the desperation provided for your family, have you uh, do things that are sometimes illegal and also impact on the quality of life of our city. And that's what we're faced with right now. Right. right, Byproducts of the migrant crisis.
1: Yes, because I'm sure there are some of some of the people that are there are part of that. And this is what they're trying to do to make some money. And I get that. Um, And um, so, well, all right, we'll have to see what happens. It was just such a crowded, like overcrowded situation that I was like, this was not, this was not like cool we
2: will Um, we will look at that
1: okay great that's great so i wanted to ask you being that this is the holiday season and i'll wrap up on this question um you know everybody likes their treats and goodies and i know you try to be very good with your diet so i just wanted to know like what do you eat for the holidays how do you treat yourself and and do you cheat
2: Uh, 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 whomever states they do not cheat on the holidays um, they are lying <laughs> you know um I I I love different uh treats but I've learned to use different alternative alternatives like I I have a sweet tooth and so I will use uh, molasses to, as a sweetener or date sugar as a sweetener or learn how to use bananas as my moisturizer when I cook some type of uh pastries. And so there are ways to get the taste you're looking for, but in a more healthy way.
1: Hey, I'm taking notes here on that. That's actually a really (laughs) good idea.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.